Today's episode of About Them Cowboys is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Cowboys tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find that answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last minute tickets. touchdowns reached and clearly got it I'll tell you that shot of rod marinelli and chris richard on the cowboys sideline the looks on their faces say it all the only thing else i got to say is how about them cowboys how about them cowboys indeed cows lose cows lose cows lose after starting the season three and oh the cowboys are zero and two in their last two this time at the hands of aaron Rodgers a.k.a. Cowboys Kryptonite. Dallas was down 31-3 at one point, had a late rally, but thanks to some costly turnovers by Rain Dakota and a missed field goal from Brett Money Maher, Dallas falls at home 34-24 in Week 5. Hello and welcome to another post-game edition of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison, turning the knobs back here at Studio Nowhere. Joined as always by our expert panel of Cowboys writers here at The Athletic, to leave no stone unturned when it comes to all things America's team. And as I welcome in our panel for this session, first, the last one to leave every press box because he cares about you that much. He's Father John Mishoda. Hey, John. What's up, boys? Not a lot, John. Just, you know, talking Cowboys. And as I welcome in KT Turner to lead us through this nonsense, KT, is there something more we should look into when it comes to Rod Marinelli and facing Aaron Rodgers? Because... After this game, I did a little research, and with this game included and the playoffs, Rod Marinelli in his coaching career is 2-11 and in facing Aaron Rodgers. So if this game came down to, you know, Dak throwing a couple of picks, is there something more we should be concerned about with this defense if the Cowboys have to face the Packers if they both make it to the postseason? I think there's a lot of questions that we should be asking about the defense, and I think that's a very fair observation, Kent, and... As you mentioned, Father John Mashota, always one of the last uh, to leave the press box. I'm sure he was up there finishing up a story and polishing off a, a 12-ouncer of, of uh, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe I could be wrong, but uh, I'm sure, John, you've got a lot of takes on this uh, as well. I, I think that does have to – you know, we, we've talked about the Cowboys defense. We wanted that to be a strong point. You know, before we kind of go through the game – I thought one of the things that uh, happened yesterday is something that's been a problem a little bit last year, and that was getting ran over. And I know they've been weak on the inside, and Tyrone Crawford's not 100%. And, you know, you just didn't really – you weren't full – or no Antoine Woods, so you weren't, you weren't 100% on the defensive line. But we're going to start there. The defensive line and then the linebackers not really knowing where the ball was, that was a huge problem on defense yesterday, right? Absolutely, man. I don't even – there's so many places that, I mean, obviously you can point blame, but the defense is obviously one of them and, and not being able to stop a running game and Aaron Jones. And I mean, the, the storied franchise that this is to give up your first four rushing touchdown game to Aaron Jones and the Packers. Uh, I just didn't see any way that was going to happen going into this game. It just, you know, it's bigger than this game because of the fact that We've seen it other than the New Orleans game throughout this season so far that just they just haven't been as good as what you were expecting. And, you know, Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith were a huge part of everything that they did last year and the success that they had. But, you know, through these first five games, I don't think that either of them have played on that level. I think Leighton's been better than Jalen, obviously. But, uh, you know, that game yesterday, I just I couldn't believe, you know, whether it's I felt like he was in the right place, but there were just tackles that weren't being made. Um, I I don't know. I just 
you have two Pro Bowl caliber linebackers, and it just I really haven't felt like you've seen that very much this season. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's just their play. I know I've seen people say on, on social media, you know, are Jalen hurt? Um, you know, we've asked. I haven't heard that he is. I, you know, haven't been got anything back. I thought maybe that was a possibility when he was, uh, you know, playing less snaps than that. But it just. It's funny because the way that the offense played and turned the ball over, a lot of people want to point the finger at them. But I'm just, I look at this defense, I'm like, can you guys get a turnover? You know, can, can you stop the run? Like things things like that. Um, so for me, you know, it all, it all comes back to is the same thing I've been saying for the last few years. It's just that they pride themselves so much on this is what we do. Everybody knows what we do, but we're just going to do it so well that it's not going to matter that Week after week on these conference calls with these other teams' head coaches, you hear them mention at some point something about how, you know, they don't disguise a lot of stuff. You know, you know what they're going to do, but they do it so well. And you're just kind of like, well, a lot of teams that are really successful in this league are successful because they're always changing things up and and they're always adjusting and, and and they're keeping you on your toes. I mean... They have a talented defense in Dallas, but if every team knows exactly what you're going to do, or at least relatively what you're going to do, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that puts you at a disadvantage. But yeah, that defense, you know, left a lot to be desired last night. And and then now that there's bad tape out there too, uh, not just yesterday, not just the playoff game against the Rams. You know, there's there's now things you can go. Well, what did they do specifically? What are three, four, five, six things they did specifically? to have success against the Cowboys defense. But that's the disheartening thing right there. You were not expecting the Packers to run them, run all over them. Even the Packers center got hurt. Corey Lindsley is a very good player. He got hurt. They put in their backup center and the Packers are still getting a good push and they were able to get the edge and the Cowboys didn't seem to have very good run fits. And, you know, Jalen and Van Der Esch, I thought, had, you know, combined their worst game. It was pretty obvious. It's an easy thing to say. But let's run through the game real quick and, and just kind of and start there. And then we'll, you know, we'll kind of pick it up, pick it apart as we go. I thought, you know, first drive, Cowboys get off the field. There was a holding. It was a third and 20. Packers play give up. They just play field position. Uh, and then they're going to punt it. And I thought the, the Cowboys are getting a little pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And then Cowboys get the ball, and they do anything they want, basically. Uh, Able to move the ball very quickly, but on the fourth play of that first drive, Dak over the middle to Cooper. uh, A really good uh, design play because when Randall Cobb broke outward, uh, the safety Darnell Savage went with him, and it opened up the middle of the field for Cooper. And Dak didn't lead Cooper enough. But it was still a throw that I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a bad throw. This is all on Amari Cooper. Drops it, goes up the air. Jair Alexander makes the interception and then returns it for about 30 yards, which is another key concept of that play. And I, I think the game is way different if that's a touchdown and not an interception and the Packers getting the ball. I think that changed everything. Um, uh, it, it's just It just can't happen. And that's the second week in a row we've had – one of your key cogs of the offense. Last week, it was Witten and Zeke with fumbles. This week, it was Amari Cooper uh, and then Dak with his interceptions. But Amari Cooper dropping that pass changed the whole outcome of that game. Absolutely. No doubt about that. To the point where I think that the Cowboys had the potential, if they score there, of that game being completely opposite of the way it went. And, and I mean, that Cowboys getting up to a multiple touchdown lead. And why I say that is because I believe if you score there, you get that touchdown there. Um you know, maybe the defense gets a stop. Then you can go back to running Zeke, which they obviously went away from, and we can get into that. But I think you do yeah. that, and things start going downhill, maybe get out of hand a little bit, and that just didn't happen. And you just, I don't know, the way that that started like that, you just had that feeling like, oh, this looks like this is some carryover of, like, this is New Orleans all over again. Um, but Amari's such a freak. It's so hard to sit there and, like, pin this blame. I mean, he literally, after the game, was like a, like it was like a playoff loss. Like this loss ended their season. That's how down he was, and it was all because of that. And that happened early in this game. He went on to have a career day, over 220 receiving yards. But that one particular play, you could just tell he was so distraught about it because that's not a play that he ever. It just he he rarely makes those type of mistakes. But the other thing I will say from that play is I watched them like. How come those plays never happen for the Cowboys in defense? Where is that? Where why do, why don't how yeah. are they not just getting a, a ball that pops to them and they get a key interception that they can? I mean, they got two turnovers in the last four games, and this isn't like this is new. Like this is year after year after year after year. Like how do you not get any turnovers on defense? 
And that's the difference in the really good defenses in the league and, and the ones who are just okay. Or maybe the teams that have potential, like we've talked about the Cowboys, potential to be a top 10 defense. Uh, whatever you think about Green Bay's defense, and uh, you know they those types of plays happen for them. And they count on them. And they, they get them. And I don't know. I, I don't understand it. But it seems like the Cowboys just can't get them. Uh, the Packers then have the ball on the Dallas 47. You know, another point, it wasn't just a turnover. There was a 33-yard return after the turnover. So they flip field position. Packers end up getting in the end zone in about five plays. Aaron Jones, 18-yard touchdown run. Uh, it looks like the Packers' right guard, he got to Vander Esch on the second level. And Aaron Jones just made a good cut. Aaron Jones is a, a good little player. You know, he's shifty. Um, and he gets in the end zone. So it's 7 nothing. And you're already going, okay, well, that sucks. But at this time, in my head, I was going, man, and, and even on the TV broadcast, and you were in the press box, on the TV broadcast, Troy was going, man, it looks like the Cowboys can get anything they want defensively. So the Cowboys come out. Zeke runs for 12 yards. And I'm thinking, okay, the Packers are about to get gashed on the ground. First and 10 again. Zeke gets six yards, but it's called back a legal shift. And that's one of the problems, that I think, with running on first down. You open yourself up for the holding penalties, you know, but that was an illegal shift. It's a little different. Well, they end up having, you know, a second down and 15. Dak ends up getting out of it, throws it to Cooper deep down the field. Again, Cooper kind of torching Jair Alexander. I believe that was on the uh, out-and-up move. Now, Jair Alexander, one of the better cornerbacks in this league, and Amari Cooper torched him yesterday. I mean, Amari Cooper put on a show yesterday, despite that one mistake. He put on a freaking show. Um, and then the, the drive ends up getting into a little trouble. It's third and seven, um, and Dak drops back to pass, and there was pressure on the left side um, from uh, Zadarius Smith. He ends up getting the sack. Dak had Cobb. I thought Dak could have gotten rid of the ball. Um, I went back and watched it, and you can kind of see that Dak kind of had a guy open. Uh, but Zedaria Smith gets the sack. It's a 10-yard loss, and the Cowboys are out of field goal range. I thought that was a big play in the game as well. It seemed like they came back with these just timely sacks. Whenever whenever they needed some type of big play, I feel like it was Preston Smith or Zedaria Smith, which obviously those are some big additions that they've added. I just – I've, you know, heard about them, obviously studying up for this game, uh, you know, watching interviews that those guys did, the, you know, the previous week. They seemed very, very kind. They actually did a uh, combo interview in their locker room uh, in Green Bay. Uh, you can tell those two are close and that, I don't know, that's just what Green Bay has been missing, I feel like, these last few years. I just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't expect them to have the game that they did. And I know maybe I should have. I just... I think there was a lot of people, there's a lot of panic and worry in Dallas because of anybody that's seen what Chaz Green did, that it's any time a backup offensive lineman comes out there, it's like, oh, this guy's got to start? Oh, man. I hope this isn't like Chaz Green in Atlanta. And I feel like I heard that all week, whether it be on the radio or on social media, uh, from people about Cameron Fleming starting at left tackle. And uh, I wasn't Chaz Green, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Uh, it, it wasn't good enough. You know, and it, uh, it, I think maybe against the Jets you can get by with it, you know, next week. But, you know, against a good defense and a good pass rusher. I mean, Sedarius Smith is not even 100%, and he terrorized Cam Fleming all day long. And, you know, honestly, Brandon Knight, when he came in for Lyle Collins, when he got hurt, Brandon Knight actually held up okay on the right side. Um, but I think that's one of the differences in the game to me is well let me let me let me go through the second Packers drive real quick because this is where to me there was another big part of this game. The Packers go nine plays, they go 90 yards, and it ends up with the Aaron Jones touchdown for three yards. So it's 14-0, just like that. And that's the end of the first quarter, basically. But on that drive, Rodgers made a few plays where he <laughs> was pressured again. For the second drive in a row, the Cowboys got pressure on Aaron Rodgers in that first quarter. And Aaron Rodgers didn't go down. And to me, that's one of the big differences in the game is that Aaron Rodgers didn't take any sacks yesterday. He played out of this world level Aaron Rodgers. He he played Aaron Rodgers' goat level of the past. Um, You know, that Aaron Rodgers that played yesterday is not an Aaron Rodgers that the Packers are seeing every single week. That, 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 That was him in the first quarter was spectacular. And I think Dak took a lot of sacks. 
some of them, most of them, not his fault. Most of them was just Cam Fleming couldn't hold up. But Dak took more sacks. Aaron Rodgers wasn't taking sacks. He was extending plays. There was one where he got out of the pocket, threw it to Jimmy Graham. And then another play I know that stands out to everyone on that second drive was the throw to a guy named Brad Tanyan, and he made the catch. <laughs> and that's just Aaron Rodgers. That was his greatness he, is all that was. He literally, KT, it made me think, especially when you mentioned that throw right there. I was like, did this guy just grab like three receivers and two tight ends over at the Walmart across the street before this game and just say, we're going to just beat you with these guys? Because it was literally like there was even drops that the Packers had that I was like, if they just had even solid guys over there, this was going to be just a bloodbath. Like he was. Yeah, that's the big thing that really I when I look at that, it's like, obviously, you worry about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is I think he's the one of the top three greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, I really put him at the highest of levels, but you have to factor in the other players he's playing with out there. And I was just like, how is he going to beat him with this? And he, I know he didn't have any touchdowns, but it just, anytime they needed a big play, he would make a big play to some, like just to extend a play, move out of the pocket, dump it off. Just the simple, it would look so simple to him, but it was like the most difficult play that like you just rarely see guys do. And it wasn't like he had a big time receiver out there. It just left you scratching your head the entire game. Most of the time, I thought the Cowboys were in pretty good coverage. Like you did, you did, you hardly saw a Packers players running free. Uh, I know we'll get into penalties later. I know that was a big issue yesterday. But, like, I, I don't I, – I just didn't think – I thought the first quarter, really first quarter and a half, really, uh, but really when they got up to that two-score lead, was all about Aaron Rodgers' ability to extend a play, avoid pressure, and then, you know, find a guy that has enough time to run free. Because I, I thought the coverage was good uh, for the most part of yesterday's game. Cowboys get the ball back. It's 14-0, okay? So, they need it, man. they got to have this drive. And Dak uh, goes uh, deep to, to Cooper. Tavon Austin, a uh, little reverse action, get him in, in the mix. And then, to me, a, a huge penalty. Zeke runs for 17 yards, and they're going to be at the Green Bay 17-yard line. But they get a holding on Tavon Austin. Okay, that holding pushes them back. So instead of being first and 10 at the 17, it's first and 17 at the 41. Dak ends up dumping off to Cooper. And then on second and 11, Dak throws it to Randall. uh, was trying to get it to Randall Cobb. And it's picked off by another guy that the Packers got on their discount uh, shopping spree at Walmart. (laughs) Shandon Sullivan. (laughs) Shandon Sullivan? Dude, I, I, I promise you there are people in the Packers organization who didn't even know that was a human person. Shandon Sullivan gets an interception. I don't know what Dak was looking at there. Do you, did you uh, did you ever get a read on what happened on that interception? All right, so <laughs> this is what stands out to me about that. So um, my brother and his wife came to the game. Um, you know, they came down from Detroit or whatever, hung out with them for the weekend. So they had tickets, um, and they were kind of like in the club-level type seats. So they're, you're a little bit higher up, and so – my brother immediately texts me as soon as that play happens. He goes, what was he looking at there? Like, that's so obvious to us. And I'm thinking the same thing because we had a similar vantage point in the press box. But I always listen to the game on the radio. And Babe mm-hmm. Offenberg, obviously being a former quarterback, he knows this stuff a lot better than I do. You know, he went on a pretty lengthy explanation about how from up high you notice that. and Or if you're watching on the TV cameras, it stands out. But I guess that's a particular area of the field that when you're going through your progressions that when you're actually on the field it is a lot more difficult uh, for the quarterback to see that area and so that's why it looks like it's so just egregious and you're like how did how did he throw that but on the field and with the things moving and and you going through your progression I guess it's a little bit more difficult in that situation with all of that being said obviously Dak can't throw that interception and and that's the thing like that's what one of Dak's greatest strengths is taking care of the football so any game you know, where he's going to have three interceptions, whether they're on him or not, uh, you, you know that's going to be a problem for this Cowboys team. They're they're built off a lot of their successes when he takes care of the ball, and that certainly was a throw there that he, he just he just can't make that. No, absolutely. Yeah. And the Packers are playing a little zone, and that's, a, that's what we were talking, you were talking about earlier in the show, about the Cowboys not mixing it up on defense. You know, the Packers week to week are a tough team to game plan for defensively, and it doesn't always work out, but they, with Mike Pettin, they have an exotic scheme that they run out so many different looks at you, you know, and it makes it difficult. Um, so you never know if they're playing man or zone. It's just real hard to do. And the Cowboys kind of do what they do all the time. 
The defense does its job, though. Defense gets a stop. Cowboys get the ball back. And I thought this was another big drive because it's 14-0. They put Tony Pollard in. Okay, so they heard the criticism. Tony Pollard, six yards. Tony Pollard, seven yards. First down. Tony Pollard, five yards. Tony Pollard, one yard, creating a third and four. So it's third and four at the 50. You can debate if this is four down territory or not. There's probably about nine minutes left in the first half. Probably probably not, but, you know, you can still debate it. Dak gets sacked by Preston Smith. And what happened was that Darius Smith blows by Cam Fleming. And Cam Fleming, uh, because Zadarius Smith was in Dak's face, Dak kind of is more focused on that and doesn't see Preston Smith get around Lyle Collins. And another Cowboys drive ends in a sack and a punt. And I thought that was another possession, again, where the Cowboys were driving. Things were going well. They were starting to use the running game to gash the Packers a little bit. And then ends with another sack. And that was the story for... You know, a large, large part of the day. Turnovers and sacks, man. Those are those are the two key things from yesterday. Yeah, and, and again, <laughs> not to not to harp on the defense too much, but that's where I look at with the Cowboys defense. I'm like, where are their sacks? Where are their turnovers? Like sometimes, yeah. you know, I understand. Hey, they kept them in the Saints game. They played outstanding in that game. They're making plays all over over the place. That's not on them. And obviously, Dak turns the ball over three times. You're going to point to the offense, but every time I see that, I'm just kind of like, okay, so. Uh, you know, where were these timely sacks? I mean, Jalen had the one late, and I mean, there were a few there. Um, I I just, I know they don't throw a ton at Byron Jones opposing teams, but the fact that ever since he's been a corner for the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, we're going on 16 regular season games last year, five regular season games this year, two playoff games. There's not one interception? How does that happen? That That's where paying him, you know, top of the market value uh, or top three or four or five cornerback is out of the question for me. I, I might consider franchise tagging Byron, uh, but I've got to take a look at my cornerback depth and things like that. You know, that's where going forward. I mean, I like Byron. I think he's a good player. I don't know what else besides just really tight coverage. What else does he bring you that he's a leader? It's not at? just Byron. Is he in a John? Lead? Yeah. This has been the the case for years. Like you said earlier, it's been going on since Marinelli's gotten here that no, no, they haven't no been able to has. get turnovers. It has, I completely yeah. agree. But he's the he is the one guy during that run that you look at as you're like he's played at the highest Pro level Bowl, of yeah. the entire group. He made a Pro Bowl. I, I what I always go back to when I watch this is because it is it's the last five years they've they've been the league's low in in forcing turnovers. I don't think they have more than I think eighteen or nineteen in any season over the last. Uh, uh, five years and a lot of those years it's nine or ten i mean there's teams like in in like a two three year span the cowboys essentially are getting as many interceptions as like a team is is getting in one season and so there was a i don't know if it was during one of his broadcasts or it was a radio interview i can't remember exactly what it was but it was a just a great answer from tony romo about the way the cowboys play defense on the back end and he talked about how they, their their goal is is that you just don't want to give up anything big. You don't want to give up any big plays in the passing game. So a lot of the stuff is you keep stuff in front of you. So if there's you know yeah. five yard pass things like that, they'll they'll live with that because keep it underneath. You know, get, live for it to be third and three and, and play another down, but you don't give up the big play. Well, in doing so, you're not aggressive to the point where, like, yeah, you might give up the big play, but you also might create one for your own team by you know make you're just making a play on the ball in the back end. And ever since he had said that, and obviously, Tony, we're going back, that's three, four years since he's played, you know, so I, sure. I get that. But he still knows the game. And ever since he said that, I always joke around with people that whenever they bring up the the argument of like, oh, maybe they should have drafted Jalen Ramsey over, over Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm like, Jalen Ramsey doesn't want to play here. So, I mean, I don't know if they, he would be best utilized being played in that in that type of a situation. They got um, Mo Claiborne, remember? He was the ball hawking guy in a college yeah, right for sure and and that was just i don't know it just and then uh, hey for another reason is you just look across the league and like a lot of those dbs they moved on from i mean brandon sure. Carr is still playing orlando skandrick obviously made a play yesterday he was out of the league for a little bit there but like i don't know there's just there's more to this than just oh, the bounces just don't go our way like there it, i mean there's something going on here I agree. You look across the league, the way a lot of the way teams are playing, though, they play kind of that same way. 
Oh, I just don't give up the big play. Ben don't break and, you know, that type of things. Um, the Packers, the team they played yesterday, does not play that way at all. Uh, they, they're they perfectly fine giving up a 50-yard, uh, you know, play. And they'll put their guys in man coverage or whatever. They're perfectly fine with that. And they just try to get an opportune bounce. And that just didn't happen yesterday for the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys then, it's 14 nothing. then give up a 12-play, 79-yard drive. And uh, the I thought the, the Robert Quinn roughing the passer uh, call helped that thing out a lot. Um, but the Packers were able to get a field goal that made it 17 nothing, And then the Cowboys on fourth and five, late in the first half on fourth and five, decided to kick a 54-yard field goal from Brett Maher instead of going for it. Hindsight, very easy for me to say that. I was in the boat of there's 50 seconds on the clock. Let's not give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. So I was going to go for it on fourth and five. For two reasons: A, I don't like Maher from fifty-four. B, I feel like I could, I got a decent chance of. I feel like I almost have as good a chance of making a fourth and five than I do kicking a field goal KT, from fifty-four. KT, How did you what, feel about that? Well, I want to ask you. I'm going to flip this on you. You said you didn't feel comfortable with Maher there, so I have to ask you: Where do you feel comfortable with Maher from? Okay, fair question. Fair question. I'm glad Kent's here for this. Cause Cam <laughs> I, I, I thought of Kent last night a few times. I just silently <laughs> sat at the end of the game, just sat in silence. I'm like, I told you so. We need you to know, as that. soon as they got that penalty, I'm like, this is riding on the wall, you know, almost. It's it's honestly amazing that this these things, these things happen to the Cowboys like this. I mean, I'm sitting here smiling, talking about it, you know, because it's just like... It's unbelievable, they, to be honest, you know, they but saw, um, it's just another they, another like headline drama thing to talk about this season. You know, it's like, OK, now we need a new kicker, I guess. OK, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, the, the kicks he did make look pretty good, though. Right, guys? I mean, the, yeah, the one and then the extra points <laughs> like, you know, the, the thing that I have like, it's very they saw him in training camp. He was not good in training camp. Uh, I mean, he put to, he saved his butt by having a – he had one week where he strung together a week, I think, where he didn't miss any kicks in the practice. But it's not about the six attempts that you get in each practice. It's about everything. It's just – it's never it never looks easy with Maher. And for if you're a good team and the Cowboys, you know, see themselves as contenders – and by the way, I don't think the Cowboys are a bad team. I still think the Cowboys are in that mix of NFC teams. I think you look at the NFC, I think it's quite clear that no one's running away with the NFC. So uh, I think they're in that mix, but you know, I, most most of those teams are all going to have kickers that they feel confident in, and I I don't know how they're confident in him at this point, especially when he missed the thirty three yarder. But you know, he might be able to blame that on Xavier Suafilo for his false start penalty. So, uh, but I would have I would have gone for it. That's the easy thing to say now. Would you have gone for that, John? Is how did you feel about that decision? Uh, considering how many. Key situations ended in sacks for them. I didn't hate it at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, looking at the result and then looking at the end of the game result, if, you know, we're not even, we have a guy that's not making a 33-yarder. If you're the Cowboys, I think you got to yeah. reassess that whole situation there. And, and as you mentioned, you know, I agree with you. I do think the Cowboys are a team that uh, are still, they, sh- they should be a playoff team and they should be a contender to make a run in the playoffs. But, I mean, we know that those games aren't blowouts. They come down to field goal type situations. I mean, yeah. we saw it with the Bears last year. And so that's a problem there. And, you know, after the game, Jason Garrett talks about how we still have confidence and things like, okay, Jason, you might, and maybe a couple of people in the organization might, but <laughs> I find it hard to believe that as KT brings up that uh, all the players do, all the guys that are on the field. Does he when, have confidence uh, in himself? Yeah, well, and then <laughs> there's a 33-yard field goal. <laughs> All those players were on the field in training camp too. They uh, saw that. They've they've been in practice. They've seen even more than than we've seen. Uh, everyone knows. Yeah, I, I don't think this is some some secret there. So and it's know, not something where issue. everyone thinks he sucks. Like no, it's not something where everyone thinks he sucks. It's just that feeling of I don't know if he's going to make it or not. You know. Well, sure. It's not like some. And know? then the other thing is that it just. It'd be one thing if there was serviceable or even guys that you felt decent about that were free agents right now. You know, they're just Mike Nugent just went to the Patriots. Yeah, there's just there's just not a I don't know. It just it's very limited out there, um, and it's a very thin position. And so I think that that factors in as well in, in just that 
it's not like there's, you know, 10 guys sitting out there that all can make from 40 plus or even 40 in and you can just sign them off the street that you feel confident about. There just, there really isn't. So you're kind of in a tough spot that way too. So it's going to be interesting to monitor them, you know, in this, this week, do they bring in any kickers? Do they work anybody out? You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because uh, there's no way that they're feeling confident with him right now. I did mention Mike Nugent. He did miss an extra point in his first kick for the Patriots yesterday. So Mike Nugent, who was brought in a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's uh, that's just another thing. Uh, maybe you get through the Jets game and see if you can figure out something on the waiver wire or something like that and have guys come in and try out. That's very interesting. So 17 nothing at the half. Cowboys come out and they're getting the ball. And I, by the way, I, I understand Jason's strategy on that field goal. He's thinking 17-3, then we're going to get the ball and score and it's 17-10. And that's that's what he was thinking. Uh, Cowboys get the ball first out of the, the half. Oh, there's a holding on Cam Fleming on second and six. Oh, no. And it put him in a bad spot. And then Jair Alexander breaks up a pass to Amari Cooper. Packers get the ball back and then go and score and – there were two big plays. There was one play where Aaron Rodgers motioned Aaron Jones out to the right, and Jalen Smith went out there. And Jalen Smith was kind of late getting out there to cover Aaron Jones, and I couldn't help think of the time in training camp when Tony Pollard, like, torched Jalen Smith on, like, a go route. So I thought Aaron Jones was just going to go, like, a straight line, but he ends up running a slant. He double catches it somehow. That was a huge play because it extended the drive. And the Packers end up getting a touchdown on that drive. So, 24 nothing. And I, I think we could go back and forth. We kind of know how the game, you know, kind of went and ended up. But at that point, the Cowboys were in such a bad uh, in bad shape. I mean, they put together some, some decent drives yesterday that they just couldn't finish off due to turnovers and sacks and things like that. One, one thing I do want to talk about, because it was very controversial, well, let's talk about the Jason Garrett challenge. And his his uh, war with side judge Scott Edwards. Can we discuss that a little bit? Because I thought that was very intriguing uh, and very dramatic stuff. So, first of all, the challenge is on the Anthony Brown pass interference. I personally didn't think pass interference should have been called. But later on in the game, at least you may have missed this, John, because on the television broadcast, they had prior footage. When Jason got into it with Scott Edwards the, the second time, well, he apparently already gotten into him with it the first time. And one thing Scott Edwards said, you can kind of read the lips. He said to Jason, throw the flag then. Um, but he also said the guy, he goes, he didn't play the ball, but throw the flag if you want. And Jason threw the flag. And it was basically Scott Edwards warning Jason Garrett, they're not going to overturn this, so don't don't throw your challenge flag. And Jason throws it anyway. Now, so, I don't know if you caught all that. Yeah, it was so, incredible. So this is what happened. So uh, where we're at in the press box is opposite field of the Cowboys bench. And yeah. so, um, you know, most of the players and the coaches, they stay in, in a certain area. It's not like guys are just running up and down from goal line to goal line. So there were multiple times when you could just you could see Jason Garrett was going down there. And I will say this, when he tried to challenge that pass interference, um, you know, just in conversations that myself and other reporters have had with Jason, uh, you know, not in press conferences and things like that. You know, he's very aware of what this r- new rule is. This new rule isn't to overturn pass interferences two, three times a week. This new rule is in place to prevent what happened in New Orleans in the playoffs for something egregious, yeah. something where you're like, oh, my, we cannot have a game decided by this play. So he knew when he threw that. Now, there were multiple officials that went over there, and I had f- the feeling they were probably telling him, don't even waste your time. This will not be overturned. But I feel like he had to do that on, on behalf of the team because of the way things were going. It was almost one of those, like, and, and, and it continued throughout the game of it's very popular, obviously, in baseball and basketball. They're just getting to the point where it's like, in basketball, I need to get a technical foul as a coach to try and get the team fired up. Or I need sure. to get into it with the umpire in baseball to try and do it for the team. Maybe, you know, you see in baseball time where you just are like, yep, that manager was just trying to get thrown out of the game. You knew, like, he just kept going and going and going. With that being said, generally in football, they're not throwing flags for um, – 
you know, language and things that are being said, even if it keeps continues to escalate, because these guys are they're hearing it from these coaches the entire game, you know, and so yeah, that's why I thought it was that was really funny after the game, and we could talk to Jerry for about twenty twenty five minutes. And when he was specifically told that he got the unsportsmanlike conduct because of the language and Jerry just like pauses for a second and goes, oh, well, I hope the little darling didn't hear anything he hasn't heard before. Like it was just I don't know. It was just pretty funny to hear him on that. You can tell he was angered by it as well, that like we're really going to throw this in this close game between these two teams uh, in this situation. That's going to have a significant impact on the game. But you could tell it was mountain. My only problem with what Jason Garrett said on the actual penalty um uh, I'm sorry, not the penalty, but when he threw the challenge flag on the Amari Cooper catch, is I think he said something along the lines that looked like of like he was going to do that. He had to do their job for him because they made a mistake earlier. Well, on the earlier pass interference, I agree with Jason on that. On the Amari toe tap, ridiculous play to expect a human being to to see that on the sidelines while it's happening crazy they're just just crazy it's absolutely that play was like it, amazing like that's one of those plays and it, it, it doesn't happen every game true. but that's one of those plays that like when they show the replay on the board like you hear people in the press box like gasp they're like oh my like like he actually made that you know and so when you see that again like i remember it stands out to me that amari's sitting there saying to review it and it just you're so you see him players say that you're like yeah dude you didn't catch it but okay i understand you want them to try and give the benefit and then you see the replay you're like wow Okay, like I, that's a tough call. I couldn't help but to, to make this more. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm di- diving deeper than I need to dive in, but I, I viewed that as, oh my god, this is a guy falling apart. Because with Jason, okay, I mean, again, on the first one, the refs told him not to throw the flag. They said, "Don't do it." Like they told him not to do it, and he did it anyways. And I know it was thirty-one ten, so maybe it felt like you had to do it. Well, it would have been nice to have that timeout later in the game, though. So I'm I don't telling know. you, it would part, have. Part of Jason's value, person, part of Jason's value, right, is keeping cool, right? Staying right. calm, not making any rash decisions. And for him to lose his mind like that, really twice. I mean, on the first one, he he wasn't, he was mad, but he wasn't like losing his cool. And then the second one, he loses his cool. And again, I don't like the ref throwing that flag, okay? I don't care what Jason said. I don't like the ref throwing that flag, okay? These guys have taken it before. They, they, they don't, you know, the ref, the ref kind of bowed up the way he did it. I didn't like that, but I couldn't help but go, holy crap. Jason's finally losing his mind. He's finally feeling the pressure. <laughs> it's just me taking it deeper, but just, I don't he, know what it, you think about that. It's a lose, lose KT. Cause if he claps, he gets yelled at. If he yells, yeah. he gets yelled at. So <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with that. And I'd also say yeah. that it, it probably <laughs> actually looks a little bit positive for him in the sense of almost like the all or nothing when he would drop those f-bombs and there were so many people who are like whoa he's he's not just a robot so there are there is a there can be some positive to it that it shows that side of him but i'm telling you just i mean i started covering this team in 2011 i basically have covered the team the entire time jason garrett's been here i've had the numerous conversations with him you know away from press conferences and things like that he's a huge huge baseball fan and it has been his entire life i'm telling you right now when all that was going down, that's all I kept thinking about was that he was doing because the team needed life too. If that game is close, if it is just a back and forth, Packers score, Cowboys score, going back and forth, tight game like that, he does not do that. There's no doubt in my mind. But he felt that team needed a spark. It was more, I feel, about his team than it was even about the refs there. And I think that's why he was trying to do that, to show them even like how fired up he was, how it was, you know, basically like a manager like hey if i have to get thrown out i'll get thrown out to try and spark this team and i thought that he felt it was probably a key time in the game and so he was looking for a situation to just continue to do that because let's remember if those refs are hearing him talk to that you know talk like that the players are all hearing on the sideline too and i think that he feels like that could be a spark to the team to just see how animated and how much he's getting into it and maybe even stepping a little bit outside of what they're normally seeing him like to possibly provide a spark well, they got his back, man. They don't, you know, they don't roll over. They don't quit on him. Never have. Um, so, I mean, I think that's all there. I mean, I think, and I think that's all valid stuff. Um, and I guess so. There, another Garrett issue that a lot of people had, you know, for me, with it being the score the way it was, well, well it was thirty-one seventeen. The Dak interception to Kevin King was a killer. I mean, just a killer. And Dak said that he was he thought the flag was going to come out. 
I thought it was too, just the, given the, how often the flags were coming out in that game in general. I thought it was pretty clear that would have been defensive holding, but you know, you also can't count on a flag if you don't see it. Man, you can't just expect it. I guess. Uh, Dak threw it right to Kevin King. That was horrible. One of the worst Dak throws you know you'll ever see. So his argument on that, and this also leaves me scratching my head because, you know, watching college football all day Saturday, uh, had this conversation with my brother while we're watching college football, is that it is wild how quarterbacks throw to where there is contact like that to get a flag. And I understand that that's just something you do to kind of get the ref's eyes on it. But just in that moment in that game, you know, I mean, Dak said that, hey, I, I saw him getting mugged, you know, and, and you watch the replay and Kevin King, you know, hits him in the head a couple of times. And you're like, I get that. But just, man, that's such a big spot to to throw a pick there. That is it really even, you know, worth it? Uh, yeah. I'd no, love, no, love to fight that. another down, I guess. Absolutely. Especially momentum and the whole and the whole building had changed and you were 10 minutes left in the game. You had plenty of time. Um, you still had time to run the ball as well. You know, I think we're all looking back and was Zeke only had 12 carries and it's hard to get carries when you're trailing by three scores the whole game, but they were Packers are pretty much giving you six to 10 yards on the ground if you wanted it, you know, and they chose not to do that. And then Packers get the ball back, get the field goal 34, 17 Cowboys then score 34, 24 Packers punt. So it's 34-24. There's 3.33 left. Did you have any problem with the clock management down the stretch? He was uh, Jason was getting killed on this on Twitter, online. When I watched it, I just didn't think the Cowboys scored fast enough. I, I didn't necessarily think it was a Jason Garrett thing, but, you know, you, you, you needed to get that touchdown before the two-minute warning if you wanted to have any hope of – you know, kicking the ball off and getting a stop because honestly, you're, the odds are probably better of that than the eight percent chance of getting an onside kick. Uh, the, did you have any clock management issues down the stretch? I mean, there's always stuff that you can question. You know, especially not being on the sidelines and from afar. I don't. That wasn't what really stood out to me. And even him going, me with with, yeah, with, and, and them going with the field goal there, you do that because you're extending the game. If you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it then the game's just over right there. At least if you make the field goal, then you can do an onside kick. You're, you're extending, like, the game still matters at that point, and it's a gimme field goal. You just are like, okay, well, we're going to make this. Then we can do an onside kick, try and get the ball, try and get them a stop somewhere, and maybe we have, you know, it's less than a minute, but at least we have something potentially we can throw the ball up. We're still, the game continues to go on. It still matters into the final minute. Um, yeah, because we're going to make this field goal, and then obviously they didn't make the field goal. Well, with one forty left, there was no chance. I guess my my thought was they because they had one timeout left. My thought was if you can score, they get the ball back with three thirty three, and to me, it should have all been about we have to score before the two minute warning, uh, because scoring before the two minute warning allows us the chance to use the two minute warning as a timeout, take another timeout. And then we would have one minute to 120 left on the clock. Now that's things all going your way. Um, with once it once it gets to scoring before the two minute warning, whether it was a field goal, or whatever, your your chance of your choice of kicking it off was gone. You had to do onside kick. Um, and these days, onside kicks are just impossible to they're just impossible to recover. So uh, I, I thought they should have been a little faster from the 3:30 to two minute mark. But it's not like they were running slow. They were, they were struggling to get the ball up the field at that point. So, you know, I, I don't know. That was something people were kind of questioning. I, I didn't, you know, think too seriously about it. Uh, overall, overarching theme, you know, obviously you miss Tyron. You need this Lyle Collins thing to not be serious. Um, those two things are going to be huge. But I'm questioning a couple things. Obviously, the kicker's one of them. That may be a little lower on the list of things that I'm questioning. I'm questioning, do we have what it takes up front? Do we need to start looking at some of these 0-5 teams who are trading away players? Do we need defensive tackle reinforcements? I mean, I'm not worried long-term about my linebackers, but my linebackers had guys on them all game long, and that's a problem. Part of this defense is set on their defensive linemen holding up offensive linemen and letting linebackers run free. And the linebackers had guys on them all game. And the linebackers didn't play well either. But I, I, I'm wondering if that's something they need to start looking. Maybe they need to go see, okay, well, is, uh, 
Does uh, you know, I'm throwing out a random name here. Was Tampa Bay want to get rid of Sue or someone? Maybe that's not a Garrett guy, a quote right kind of guy or whatever. <laughs> but like, let's go look at some of these teams that are tanking. Do they have anything we can offer? I'm starting to wonder about reinforcements because I'm worried about them stopping the run. It's not a question I was worried about coming out of last week's game. But it's a question I'm worried about now, not just because of this week's game, because that's specifically what got you beat in the playoffs last year. So I'm questioning the defense. I don't feel differently about Dak. I still feel the same about Dak. I think Dak, you know, I thought Dak made some throws yesterday that were incredible. I thought he made some some of the better throws we've seen him make yesterday. The problem is it was in conjunction with some of the worst throws we've seen him make all year. So I don't really feel differently about Dak. I don't really feel I – th- I felt fine about the offense for the most part. I thought the offense did a pretty good job. I thought the game plan wasn't as stale as it was last week. They were they were getting yards. You know, they were able to move the ball. Um, but to me, the, the Tyron thing is concern number one, run defense number two, and then number three, probably the kicker. I don't know. How, how do you feel about uh, kind of all that stuff I just kind of threw out there at once? <laughs> Even if they're not in the same order, all those things are – are, need to be factored in for sure. I mean, obviously getting Antoine Woods back uh, will help at D-tackle. That'll uh, help he so was, much, man. Yeah, he was doing a lot of uh, running around, a lot of different drills and things before yesterday's game. So I have to think that he's got to be pretty close to coming back. You know, he got hurt uh, in that Rams game. And obviously we remember how uh, everybody uh, ran for 100 yards against the Cowboys in that game. So uh, having him back would be huge. Um in the linebackers, I don't know. Maybe it's just something that they're. I don't know. I wish I. I don't know. I wish I, I give you an answer because those. I don't know how you you need anybody better than than Jalen and, and Layton. I mean, uh, I mean, I, do you I'm, have I'm to have two. Your two linebackers have to be Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. It goes back to the offensive line too. It's like other teams win when like their offensive linemen go down, but it's just like when Tyron goes down and then with Lyle, which after the game Jerry said it, it sounds like it's it's not it's not anything serious. I'm thinking it's possibly somewhere around MCL sprain, something along those lines. You shouldn't need him or Tyron to beat the Jets, so give them another week. Uh, but those are serious concerns. Maher is obviously a serious concern. Um, what were you going to say, though? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Is Cooper still a concern? I mean, I know he had 225 yards. you worried about his foot, ankle at all? <laughs> he's got, a, He's got. I think it was a thigh contusion or quad, too. He took a knee to the oh, quad, man. he said, after the game. So they factor that in, too. I, I absolutely do not, man. I don't. Um I, I, anybody that knows me is probably sick of hearing me saying this, and I don't care. I'm just going to say it again. Being from Detroit, Amari Cooper is Barry Sanders. Like, the way he carries himself, like, oh, I'm just going to bust off this huge touchdown, spin around, embarrass this guy. No big deal. I'll just give the ball back to the ref. Like, and it's the same way with injuries with him. Like, he just is not phased by him. Like, I, I don't see him missing any games. Um, I can say this right now. Having that press box view, I thought to myself multiple times, what would Amari Cooper do uh, if he played with Aaron Rodgers? But just because of the fact of you see what Aaron Rodgers has to deal with with his receivers, and then you when you're up in that press box level, you just see how it can be overused, the term always open. Amari Cooper is always open. And to have the game he did coming off of having foot and ankle injuries, I don't think that he's anywhere close to – he shouldn't even be in your top five concerns. Um, and then having Gallup come back from the injury and look – pretty good i think that's a good sign obviously as well i don't i don't think you should really be too worried about the offense i I think that they'll clean things up i mean if if what you're worried about right now is dak turning over the ball yeah he's had some bad games in that department but that's just not him and i just feel like and i'm not just talking about with the cowboys i mean that was him at mississippi state too i mean he took care of the football so i don't think that there's major concern there i i am worried about the kicker situation and i'm worried about their ability uh, to stop the run. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to hate on Aaron Jones, but I just, you know, there's just been some running backs that I just couldn't believe had the performance that they did against his team. And and as we all know, watching Zeke and what he can do for the Cowboys, uh, if you can't stop the run, <laughs> the game's pretty much over. If you're just going to let them continue to run yeah. the ball at you all the time, there's nothing you're going to do about it. I think T.O.P. matters too. Time of possession, Packers 37 minutes, Cowboys 23 minutes. I know they got in a bind where they had to throw it a lot. But, you know, the, the Cowboys were winning games over the last few years by having the ball for 36 minutes and their opponent having it for 24 minutes. And you look at their two losses. I, I'm also – I want to put one thing to bed. You know, I, I don't like the whole thing. Well, they can't beat good teams. They 
they uh, they beat up on all these bad teams. I mean, they, again, they do not make the schedule. The Cowboys do not choose this. These are five games. You have to look at each game separately. They did their job against the bad teams. and They'll do their job against the Jets next week, you would imagine. You know, if they don't do that, then we've got a crisis. Losing to the Saints and losing to the Packers is not the end of the world. The fashion in which you lost to the Packers, concerning. The turnover trend and not taking care of the ball, concerning. Um, but, you know, let's let's wait before we start freaking out. I still think you look at the NFC. I mean, man, the Bears lost to the Raiders yesterday, dude. Like, you look at the, the entire NFC, I, I just don't think anyone's running away with it. The Patriots kind of the only – the Patriots and the Chiefs are by far the class of the AFC. You look at the NFC, I can't just look at you look at you in the eye and say if the, the Cowboys play the Saints ten times, I bet it's five and five. Packers play the Cowboys ten times, probably five and five. Cowboys play the Eagles ten times, well, probably around five and five. Like I just don't think there's any team that's the class of the NFC right now. Uh, you may have teams playing better than others. And Seattle looks dangerous right now. And the Rams, obviously, we know they're going to be in the mix. And with that Bears defense, you know, they're probably always going to be a factor. If Kirk Cousins is getting it going in Minnesota, and maybe Detroit even could be got a, a sneaky good team. I still don't have a, a level of panic that this team is not a playoff team. I still feel like the roster's there in check. And I know everyone likes to freak out the day after a big loss. But I still feel like this is a, a good team. And a winning team um, and, and a playoff team. Uh, in the NFC, I don't know what else you can ask for because sitting there and asking all these teams to be contenders, like I, I don't, in the NFC, it's just so stacked right now. We're a very good team. Get in the playoffs and see what happens. I don't know how you feel, but that's uh, that's where I am on that. You know, I think my biggest thing is, and obviously when you're watching that game, you're on social media, you're, you're hearing from fans and that, and – you know, there was a lot of that, like that we, you know, Garrett can't get him ready for for the big games and things like that. Obviously, they beat Seattle last year in the playoffs, but I think what stands out to fans is losing to the Rams. You know, they beat the Saints at home um, last year. That was, you know, one of their biggest, if not their biggest regular season wins. But then they go and they just lay that egg against a Colts team that's obviously pretty good, even without Andrew Luck. And I think that there's that feeling that, like, it goes beyond just this year. And so I will say I agree with you, KT, that, there's just a lot of parity in this league and, you know, especially in the NFC and any of those teams, I agree. I mean, I think that, they, yeah, it is a coin flip. Like, I think they can beat any of those teams, the top echelon teams, you know, like like the Rams, the Seahawks, um, the Saints, um, Eagles. There's probably a few other I'm forgetting, but you know what I'm talking about, playoff caliber teams. Sure. I will say this, though. Do you have confidence that a Jason Garrett head coach team is going to beat three of those teams in a row? No, I don't either. Not at all. And that's that's the part that if they're if you really are going back to the off season and you go back to Stephen Jones on taking the next step, is is this team going to be in the right position to win multiple games like this in a row? Any anybody can get hot, and, and it's possible. We've seen it, and, not, and you don't have to dig back until the you know late days. This has happened often in the NFL, but. Do you have confidence that Jason Garrett, a Jason Garrett coach team, can win those games consecutively? And I don't know how anybody can right now. I think you could win two of them, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, you're asking three if they're a wild card team and had to do go to that or play in the wild card round. I, I think that's that would be too much to ask, and that's you know that's not I'm not shots fired at Jason or anything. It's just kind of what. Oh, it it's is. reality. We, we have a large We've sample size. This. this isn't. Oh yeah. This isn't some small like you know because I I like Jason Garrett. I mean, there's tons of things that Jason Garrett says on a day to day basis that people roll their eyes at that I literally apply to my own life. Like I think he is a a very very smart man. I think he's a good man. I think he's a good leader of men. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best football coach. There, and, and and on the flip side, of that there's a lot of bad people that are great football coaches that win a lot of win a lot of football games, win championships. That I mean, that needs to be taken out of the equation. I'm talking about just having the guy that's going to lead you to the ultimate success that this franchise is looking for. Yeah. Right now, I don't know how anybody, unless you're a homer uh, and just blind to it would say, oh, no, no, I feel confident. Like, you know, we'll go on a run and, and we'll win 10, 11 games. We'll get in the playoffs and then we'll rattle off those three wins. Like, okay, well, that's why I, think, I haven't that's seen why it. I, think, I can't see it. That's a part of why the Kellen thing is so, was so not overblown, but that's why Kellen was such a big story. 
I think it had less to do with, I mean, maybe it had a little bit to do with Linehan. I think less to do with that and more about he's going to come in and change Jason Garrett's conservative nature. And that's why everyone is kind of making him the guy. I think that's why everyone got excited about Rod, uh, about uh, Chris Richard. What, this new guy who's got head coaching uh, uh, possibilities in his future? And, you know, maybe we need to ask some questions about him as well. Uh, but I think even with, with them. Him, with him. Oh, go on. Well, no, it wasn't uh, lumping him in with Rod uh, is what I'm doing there. Um, but Kellen is is on his own right now, but it, he, he needs to be careful not to get lumped in with Jason because this is all this is all together. and It's all we're running on 10 plus years of Jason now. You know, uh, just being in the organization, not being the head coach. So, like, I mean, people are tired of it and people want something different. Uh, that's what the fan base has wanted for years. They want something different. And there's an element of be careful what you wish for because the next guy might not be as good and the team could quit on the next guy and all that stuff. But uh, at what point are you just okay with this all the time? And I'm, and I, I would. I know I, I'm in the boat if I'm not, and I don't think anyone else is on board with it either, really, besides it feels like the Jones family. So if you want to want this to continue, because if this if this was different, the Cowboys would be 5-0 and right now if things were different, and things don't seem to be any different than they have been in the past. Yeah, and well, at least for 4-1, and one, you know. I, at least 4-1. Yeah, and one. I think you should grant them one, one hall pass for one of those games uh, going into New Orleans and Playing at home against Green Bay. Two teams who are leading the league and getting pressures on the quarterback, too, though. And I think Dak looked so different in the last two weeks. Again, Dak made some good throws yesterday, but the comfort level in the pocket, not there. And that's an issue. And take Tyron away, and that's even more of an issue. So he's got to be better when when he's, you know, under fire. You can see the happy feet. You can see how antsy he is. Dak needs to be better. Um, but in the end, the Jets next week, the Eagles before the bye week, there's a lot to there's a lot left to go, man. So it's just one Monday of chopping it up. That's all this is. We need to find a way to to get through it, Cowboys fans. We need to find a way to get through it, and just remember that we've got the Jets and uh, we've got uh, Mono Boy Sam Darnold this week. So hopefully none of the uh, Cowboys shake hands with him or get close to him because he could be contagious. Okay, is there anything else we need to cover, man? I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. It was a great show, man. Here. We did. We touched on a lot of things. I really feel like uh, this is one of the best shows that we've done. I think that there's uh, there's a lot of different angles, especially uh, getting into all the coaching stuff at the end there. So such a no, weird game. good stuff. It's such a weird game. Um, I love it. Well, though. Let me just say this: I know Cowboys fans aren't going to want to hear this, but man, those are the games I absolutely live for. Is being like a guy that I really don't. I mean, I. I've covered the Cowboys now for almost a decade, and it, my job's a lot easier when they're winning. But I, at the end of the day, I really don't care if they win or lose. And games like that are just so amazing. The crowd is just incredible. The back and forth, just like the up-tempo of it. Um, these last two weeks have been legit playoff atmospheres. It just, I don't know, it's fun football to watch. I know for Cowboys fans, they certainly don't want to hear that now. Sure. Losing these last two games, man. Uh, these people that get upset about the refs and things like that, like, oh, <laughs> I'll see you next Sunday. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's happening again. And uh, I know I tweeted last night, hey, at least we got the Jets next week, and no one was ready to hear that. Like, they were just <laughs> like, nope, nope, let me be mad about this for a minute. So, like, hey, well, real quick, I just wanted to add in there, like, that's how, like, in New Orleans, like, nobody has been screwed over more than the Saints have by officials. And, like, that plays every Sunday that they play there is absolutely rocking. Arguably the best just environment in football. Like, I don't know, like the Packers ones. Yeah. Like, the Packers aren't exactly just a team that you're like, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl every single year. I mean, it's they're far removed from that Super Bowl team. And all the people that traveled down to Dallas or maybe it's just Packers fans that live around here. Just wild in there from the minute the doors opened. It was electric in that place. Like these people are like, I'm done with the NFL. <laughs> OK, well, see you next Sunday. Yeah, you'll be there. You'll be there. Everyone will be there. Um, and uh, we want to make sure, you know, this is an obviously a, a, a freebie. Next week we'll be behind the paywall getting you ready for the Jets game. I said next week. Later this week we'll be uh, behind the paywall. But if you want to go to The Athletic and subscribe, we would personally, we would just love that. And I think you would love it too because The Athletic is the greatest sports website in the world. I mean, the content that they're providing, including – Pieces like John Machado's piece 
on the five uh, plays. You're going to want to see that. Five plays from yesterday's game, and it's going to make you relive and rethink about yesterday uh, uh, once again. Um, and you know what? Saad Yusuf wrote a great piece about just, uh, hey, everyone needs to be nice on Twitter, okay? So don't be mean to people on Twitter. So that's a good read. Uh, hockey season's firing up if you're in the Metroplex area. Sean Shapiro is one of the great uh, the great hockey writers, and, and he does an excellent job covering the Stars. Uh, Texas Rangers offseason. Mavs about to fire up with uh, Tim Cato. We've just got a lot of great stuff happening, uh, along with John Mishota and Bob Sturm. We're going to do some great stuff. Uh, for the Cowboys as we continue on. Uh, For Kent Garrison, who always does a masterful job producing the show. For Father John Mashoda, who's always the last one to leave the press box while cleaning off the Frosty. And if you want to take that out, feel free to do that. Um, I'm Kevin KT Turner, and we'll be back later in the week to get you ready for Cowboys Jets. Dak versus Darnold, the game you've always wanted. (laughs) Garrett versus Gase next week. (laughs) 